Welcome to the Church Explained Podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today we're excited, we've got a brand new guest who's never been with us before, Nathan. No, no. And she's on the show with us, Lucy Pepiat. What a great name that is. Yeah, it is. And um, just a little bit about Lucy to start the show. Lucy is the principal of uh, WTC, a hub-based theological college here in the UK. She's a systematic theologian and teaches courses in Christian doctrine and in spiritual formation. She's authored a number of books on topics such as discipleship, 1 Corinthians, women in the Bible, and humanity made in the image of God. She and her husband, Nick Crawley, live in Bristol, where they attend Crossnet Church, a church they planted 18 years ago. So Lucy, it's great to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited just to hear from you this morning and uh, share with our listeners some of your insights and just find out a little bit about you as a person as well. So we always love to kick off the show, uh, Lucy, just to find out uh, a little bit about people's stories. So I wonder if you could just share with our listeners, our audience, maybe something about your faith story and, and also your ministry journey, because it's different for everyone. And we're, when we're sharing with leaders, it's just good to have a little bit mm. of insight on that as well. Mm. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I was brought up in a Christian home, uh, but my parents weren't evangelicals, so they were Anglican Christians and both had kind of quite gentle faiths, I would say. My dad was quite private. Um, My mum was more open and more kind of willing to pray for us and read us the Bible. Um, But it took me a while till I was about 23 to come to my own personal faith. And I had a few years where I didn't really want much to do with Christians. Um, But God has a way of kind of, you know, finding you, (laughs) making sure that you won't run away. And um, I met, actually met some wonderful Christians after I left university. I was working with the homeless in a Catholic charity and they deeply impressed me and then I ran into some brilliant charismatic Christians through my cousin's family and um, and that really kind of made a big impression on me and when I was nearly 24 I gave my life to Jesus and never looked back um, so that was my that's my faith journey. Great. Fantastic and, and a little bit about your your ministry journey because um, I think just chatting with you offline as well, you've had uh, different things you've been doing in ministry and your process to that. I wonder if you could share with our listeners about that, Lucy, Mm. today. Yeah, well, when I made a commitment to to Jesus, I then joined a church um, and my husband was actually the curate of that church. So I got to know him and quite quickly, uh, really, we were we were married. And then so I found myself my whole life changed in in the space of about a year um, from having no involvement with church or anything kind of overtly Christian um, to suddenly being a curate's wife in the Church of England. So that was quite disorientating, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, obviously, lovely to be Nick's wife, but, you know, um, and so then I, I quite quickly after we married, I felt God calling me to a preaching ministry. Um, and then I, so I trained in the Church of England. They have a specific preacher's training uh, called the Lay Readers Training in London. I did that. 
um, and then just really kind of enjoyed um, working with Nick in our churches. We had four children. Um, so I did a lot of the kind of classic, you know, clergy wives things. And um, But at the same time, I also led Bible studies. I led a congregation in our church in Zimbabwe. Um, so I really loved leading. I loved preaching. I loved teaching and doing Bible studies. And then really off the back of that, that pulled me into academics because I I felt like I, I would be teaching and I'd think, actually, I don't think I know enough really to, to be, te you know, and I was very struck that I'd be teaching people twice my age. Um, so I, then I started studying alongside having my kids and working with Nick in our churches and really found over the years that um, that I am an academic, which I hadn't realised back then. And so I ended up doing a, a degree in theology. My first degree was English and then a master's in systematic theology and then a PhD. And um, now I run a college and um, write books, which is just a great delight uh, for me, as well as being immersed in our churches. And I still preach quite a bit, you know, which I love. Wow. Exciting stuff yeah, there. Yeah. Lot, lot, lots taking place there for you, Lucy. And of course, we always like to just ask the difficult question, which is, what, what do you do for fun? And maybe that, maybe that <laughs> is your fun. Maybe that, that, that that's fun. it. But maybe there's something else. I know. <laughs> I am one of those sad people who, like, my fun time is reading theology. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very good. And that, I mean, that's genuine. I take theology on holiday because I don't have enough time in my job, you know, to to do all those things. Um, but I know what you mean. Uh, so <laughs> I uh, I love food. So and I love cooking, and I love eating with people so either cooking a meal and eating with friends and family i love being with my kids and and their wives we have four sons and four daughters-in-law so that is a lot of fun um and or, or going out for dinner i really enjoy that as well and um yeah anything around kind of food uh laughter talking with people about things that matter um, I, I don't like superficial relationships. I like to really get to know people and talk at deep levels. Um, and so all those things, as well as walking my dog, I really like that too. Yeah, <laughs> nice, no, nice. Amazing. And uh, out of interest, then what type of dog do you have? I have a, a little cross between a Border Terrier and a Jack Russell. So I call him a Brussel. Yeah. Brussel. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only reason I'm asking is I've just got a new yeah, dog. You have, haven't you? And uh, it's been. Oh, a, and you? Oh, what have you got? Yeah, I got uh, a German short herd pointer. So, uh, lot, yeah, lots of energy. So, uh, yeah, it's been, very, it's been very busy for the last while trying to train this yeah. little puppy. Yeah. Uh, so I keep asking, when, when people say, I've got a dog, I'm looking for all the wisdom they have <laughs> to give to me. <laughs> I'm not sure we're very good at training our dog, but, um, but pointers are beautiful. Must be lovely. Mm. Real. Well, back on to the yeah, topic let's, that let's we're here back for. Come on for why we're uh, here. This is not a, a podcast for dog training. Um, not, not yet. That could be a spin-off, though. Hey, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Church explained podcast for dog trainers. Um, <laughs> Lucy, why don't you just? Um, yeah. Why don't you just explore like the top ideas that you've really enjoyed working on as a theologian? Oh, I. There are so many ideas that really catch my imagination. Um, 
and this is what's so fun about being a theologian is that you're always dealing with big ideas you know big ideas about god and who he is and big ideas about how god sees us as human beings and how he relates to the world and interacts with the world but i would say i go back over and over to the topic that I actually did for my PhD, which is the whole question of how Christ relates to the spirit. So how do we understand Jesus, who is fully divine as also a spirit-filled man? And what are the kind of implications of that for us? How do we understand the incarnation and the the mystery of the incarnation, but also the hope of the incarnation for what it means for humanity? that God in the Son takes up humanity into himself um, and then is this person who is also filled with the Holy Spirit and that's his connection to us, you know. So, um, so the idea of God connecting to us through Jesus in the incarnation, I find that endlessly fascinating. I could talk about it loads and I love teaching on it. Um, and then... I also did, um, I, I did some work in 1 Corinthians 11, 2 to 16. So very different, really, um, work was to work out, to try and work out what I thought Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 11, 2 to 16 about the head coverings passage. And that took me into a whole different world of biblical scholarship. Um, but it also is theological because obviously people extract out of that passage like deep theological truths and then that that has a massive impact on women so um that fascinated me for many years and i've i've written on that and given a possible explanation i think that makes better sense of that passage wow amazing and uh, obviously uh, we mentioned you're the principal of uh, wtc uh wonder like as principal of wtc what do you enjoy the most out of that role oh that's uh that is a good question um i sometimes think i really love all of my job um because i i kind of struggle to find things that i i don't like apart from perhaps when i'm swamped by emails you know i think all of us sometimes they're like oh emails they go on forever um but what do I love? I love leading something. Um, I love having to go to God um, for vision and strategy and um, trying to look ahead and partly thinking in a business sense, you know, so thinking through the concrete particulars of what we're dealing with and how that might work and um, how we build a business, but also trying to think and move prophetically in uh, and thinking, well, what is God doing in, in my college and where would he like us to go and what would he like us to do? Um, and so I love that. I love working in a, in a college that isn't a church, but has, you know, I work with Christians and, and we have an amazing team that I love leading a team. I love um, the relational aspects of that. Uh, and obviously I love teaching. I mean, I'd kind of take that as red, um, but the more sort of leadership side of my role. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I struggle to find something I don't really enjoy about my job, to be honest. 
Um, I'm very fortunate and very privileged. Yeah, that's an uh, amazing place. I wonder if you'd just, um, just touch on a little bit, because I think uh, in church world, we do face this tension of you were talking about business and then also mm. like leaning into the prophetic. I wonder if you'd just touch on maybe how, how you do that or what that looks like for you. Yeah, I I think it started for me because I was um, taken into WTC. I was employed uh, by the Board of Trustees really as a kind of stopgap and someone to help out in a time of crisis. And um, I had very, well, I had no, uh, no experience of running a, a business or even leading something in that sense. And so I was, I was thrown, I felt, onto God for that. You know, I, I, um, I actually relied quite heavily on my father at that time. My father was, had led a, a law firm and he was a great leader and, and a very clear thinker. He was a lawyer. So he knew a lot about the sort of nuts and bolts of leading stuff and working with a board and, you know, how to make decisions. And so I leaned on him uh, for that. And then I kind of leaned on God um, for decisions and and wisdom and um, and what I thought I should do next. And and I, I felt God helping me. I would feel like I kind of would receive some kind of... Um, instruction or sense of what I should do and as these as I would act on you know my father's good advice um, and then God's good advice or or direction it, it sort of seemed to work out and so um, I then began to to lead more overtly in that sense of just sharing things with my team of this is what I think you know, I, I would never go into somewhere and say, well, I think God's told me this or that. I that That's a terrible way of leading. But I, I think it is permissible to come to a team if, you know, and say, I've been praying and I wonder whether um, this might be a good strategy or a good thing. And then you weigh and test it together, you know. So, um, and as we grew as a team and as we as we learned learned perhaps to discern things and and weigh things up both circumstantially like is this an idiotic idea or might it you know might there be ways in which it could work out um i think we learned to bring together the the prophetic and the prayerful with the practical and um that was really fun and and it, you know like i said it's not that we haven't made we've made mistakes and we've we've gone down blind alleys and done stuff that hasn't worked out but um but many of the things have worked out and the overall picture is that we've seen the lord bless what we do and and it's grown and um thrived and that's just a delight Ah, uh, it's amazing. It's great that. Mm. I wonder if I could just pick up on one of the things you did say there, Lucy, which I, I think is true in the sense of when leaders do go and say, you know, thus says the Lord, if we use the old mm. language, it, it can be a danger. But I guess there's probably, there could be some leaders out there who, who use that type mm. of language. I wonder, could we just explore that just for a moment or two before we get into a few more questions? Mm. Um mm. Could you just um, explain a little bit further on that? What what are the dangers in that that you would see? Mm. I I think a personal thing for me is that I am very wary of controlling leadership. Um, 
I don't hold to it as a model. I don't. I don't see the need for it. I think if one is a a leader that has God's authority um, with you, then you that will speak for itself. Um, I so so I don't think in that sense leaders should need to command loyalty. For instance, um, that should be something that we earn uh, because we ourselves are. Um, loyal to the people that we're serving um, and then I think it becomes reciprocal so I'm I'm nervous of controlling leaders uh, I think that it, it opens up uh, an, a really damaging potential for abuse and manipulation um, and I think that once we start to um, appropriate to ourselves God's voice you know once we um, align ourselves and say well I, I have the voice of God and I'm the leader and I have the authority you give people no room to push back or to say no because if they say no to you the implication is they're saying no to God which I mean that's ridiculous you know we don't believe in the divine right of leaders well I, I don't think we should um, and leaders are much healthier themselves if they have people who will check them and and help them to make decisions. And organisations are m massively more healthy um, if they have multiple voices joining together to um, make decisions. And so, um, so I, I, it's not, in my opinion, it's not just unnecessary for leaders to say God's told me so we're doing this but it's actually potentially dangerous and so I would I I would not use it as a practice yeah oh, amazing I, I guess uh just uh staying on the topic of uh, church leadership as well and linking uh, the two in terms of like biblical theology how, how would you suggest that church leaders can help their faith communities deepen their biblical theology Oh, I think um, that's such an important question and it's something that's very much needed. I think you guys agree, I know you agree with me, <laughs> it's, very, it's very much needed in, in the charismatic church um, where we haven't really invested a lot in our biblical knowledge and our love of scripture and so I see a number of different possibilities and and options for us. The first is I think that leaders um, should invest in their own education and training and knowledge base, you know, and there's lots of opportunities, there's lots of um, places to go and obviously WTC is one of them and I would love to have anyone at WTC. I feel like we, we, we're good at um, feeding leaders as well as people, anyone in the church. Um, I think that if people already have qualifications, I think that we could we could do do better perhaps at what in the world would be called continuing professional development. Um, but you know, joining book groups together, perhaps presenting papers to each other, not in a kind of really formal sense, but oh, I'm think, and I know actually at ground level you guys are doing this, so I think that's brilliant. Um, a brilliant idea of, you know, getting pastors together, someone giving a paper or getting a guest person in and stimulating thought, 
passing books around. Um, and then it, it, there are various kind of uh, ways, I think, of just keeping the level of teaching in our churches. So sermons, sermons are, are brilliant. And I think it's important that they're not, you know, that they're not enormously long and complex teaching moments um, because they're, they're, in a sense, they serve a different purpose. But perhaps complementing our sermon series with another, you know, in America, they call it Sunday school, don't they? It's a bit confusing for us because that's not the kids church um but but having you know having a, a sunday school where we have the sermon series which is you know sermons of about 25 to 30 minutes um and then we have a sunday school where we can just encourage a deeper dive into things and um you know maybe something like that yeah amazing sounds good i, yeah. I think it's creating those spaces isn't it uh, within our settings mm, where people yeah. can explore a bit further, yeah. a bit deeper. So maybe they hear the sermon on Sunday, but it's, it's what's after that, I guess, and trying to encourage yeah. church leaders to think of that as yeah, well yeah. because like, there's only, there is only so much you can say on a Sunday, thinking of the wider mm. context of mm. who's coming into your church. So it's trying to then think, okay, well, how are we now going to apply this or mm. teach theology and not be afraid to teach theology. I think that's the important yeah. thing. Not to be afraid to teach theology within our church settings as well. Mm. Uh, I think exactly. it's essential. Mm. Now, Lucia, we, we know you've written a number of books. And uh, one of those is around discipleship. And, of course, that's, that's a real hot topic still at the yeah. minute. I think in the UK and, and maybe even across the world at the minute. Um, thinking of the Western church setting, wh what do you think we've gone wrong regarding discipleship? Mm. I I wonder, when I wrote The Disciple, I, I was thinking, I wonder whether, have we gone wrong or have we, is it just going to be always a, a challenge for the church, you know? Um, because in the past, I mean, many people in the church, in the hundreds of years past, many people in the church wouldn't have been literate or... You know, so even the idea that we have now of kind of having your quiet time and your prayer time and your, you know, I wonder how much that actually featured in, you know, the 13th century. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I sort of think discipleship's a challenge for every generation. And I, I think perhaps I'd probably be better just speaking about the charismatic church because that's the one I know I can't really speak about the others particularly um but I think for us it's been around <clears throat> the the engagement with the scriptures and a kind of depth of um knowing God knowing the nature of God and not relying on just our experience to underpin all of our relationship with God and so um, sort of giving ourselves more robust foundations and also, I think, trying to undermine a bit the idea that being a Christian is all about me and Jesus and that actually we do join a family. I mean, we have brothers and sisters, whether we love them or not, there are brothers and sisters um, and <clears throat> we have a responsibility to them in the way that we behave and live and 
you know, I think we, so individualism is, is made discipleship actually more difficult for us. And then the charismatic emphasis on emotion and feeling um, rather than on looking at all the different aspects that underpin our faith, like knowledge and scripture knowledge and um, and and prayer and corporate prayer and going to church, you know, and all those kind of things and baptism. So I actually wrote with a colleague, an ex-colleague, a, a little course, the discipleship course, which we wrote together um, a number of years ago, and that's also on sale on Amazon, which I think is a, you know, it's a good foundation course. It's a kind of designed as like a post alpha, just to encourage people to look at some of the big theological themes that underpin who we become as new people in Christ. And then some of the practical things we can do um, to strengthen our walk with Jesus. Very good. And so you've, you've highlighted a couple of things there, Lucy, where I guess churches or leaders could improve Mm. discipleship within their settings. Mm. Two things you mentioned are one is around, uh, you know, stepping away from individualistic Christianity in the sense of it's to do mm. with the community. That's one of the things you mentioned. Mm. And secondly, around having a more robust um, view on faith and using the scriptures to help us rather than just relying on feelings. Yeah. Is there anything else you think you could we could be thinking of as church leaders to help us improve discipleship at the minute? I think probably then the the final thing I would say would be relationship and mentoring, you know, so um, it's time intensive building strong relationships with people. And one of the things that Nick and I have done for the last 18 years is only had a small church and that's had its own challenges and, um, you know, in many ways, I think it wasn't particularly what we were expecting when we planted a church 18 years ago, but it definitely has been what God had for us. And it's really, what it's done is it's shaped us as people who relate just to small groups and have learned to invest in people. So my husband, Nick, does a lot of this and has his own Bible website and and literally has a discipling ministry um at which he and he uses his own bible resources for that and and they're also available to anyone who who wants them so i think leaders would do really well actually just to have a look at nick's website look at the the resources he has up there for bible study and perhaps we could renew our sense that if we were studying the Bible together and learning how to put those things into practice, that will deepen us as disciples. Um, you know, it will, it will have that effect. Um, and I, I think maybe we've lost confidence in the scriptures for that in some way. So lots of stuff. You, yeah. you mentioned your, your husband's website. Do you want to just give us details of that so our listeners can maybe just go and explore that? We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Yes. Um, so it's it's www.bibleforlife.co.uk and he's called Nick Crawley and um, it, ha it it's an astonishing work really that's taken him many, many years and he's used visiting 
uh, scholars as well to um, compile resources on every single book of the Bible. Um, it's all completely free and you can access different at different levels. Um, so you can just get an overview of the Bible. You can listen to a pod um, of a book. You can listen to a podcast. You can see a book in a picture, um, which is a really lovely feature that a young woman did for him. Um, there's things like maps, there's background stuff, and there's questions for discipleship as well. Um, you know, how we apply these things in our everyday lives. So uh, many people use it. They, many people who know it use it and many people who have never met him go in and use it and use it for their for their devotional lives and teaching. Yeah. So it's a great resource. Well, we're, we're, we'll definitely give that yeah, a push yeah. way through the, yeah. uh, through the podcast. No, definitely. I think you, you said a phrase, and forgive me if I got this wrong, but uh, in the after, uh, like, talking about how, where we've gone wrong in discipleship and talking about this individualistic, you know, it's me and Jesus, uh, you said um, just this, this phrase, uh, like, we have a responsibility to each other. And um, I wondered if you could just maybe talk into how do we communicate that to a world that is very individualistic? Yeah, Everything's definitely. about me. And how do we how do we help people to see that actually this isn't just you and Jesus or this isn't just you and your Bible and your quiet time, but you actually have, a, as you put, a responsibility to others? Mm. Yeah. Um, I love your questions. <laughs> they're, they're so good. Um, I how because you're asking how questions, and it's really good to push, especially theologians, on how questions. You know, because we're very good at ideas, um, but we have to learn to apply things. I, <laughs> I, <clears throat> I, for me, I think I see that taking shape in real relationships you know i mentioned to you that i don't i'm not very good at superficial relationships i find them exhausting and um <clears throat> i think the only way we understand the effect we have on others is in proper real relationships where we share deeply about things and um you know i know a lot of people are in bible study groups and in home groups and in those kind of small groups things but my experience of pastoral ministry of over 30 years is that the best groups are groups where people can be completely honest and authentic and um, where they can really deeply share about what's going on in their lives and I think without even having to teach people that what you do affects everyone around you you just see it for good or ill you know, you, you, if you're in a small group, it, so if you just go to church and go home, if you just attend, sit at the back, go home, you, you won't learn that principle. It, it, it won't, I mean, people can teach it to you. They can say, oh, look, it says here in the Bible, but it won't get, it won't get into your heart. But if you're in a small group where if you don't come one week, you're missed or if you don't come one week and you would have prayed for someone in a particular way or you would have been able to help them or or you don't come and you don't tell anyone what's going on then you're always being confronted with the fact that unless you unless you dive into these relationships and let people shape you and you shape others life is quite sort of shallow 
and or, or you're or lonely you know so either you're desperately lonely and nobody shares it um or it's shallow because you just have these superficial conversations and you go home and you think well i'm not sure where that left me so i i think it has to be worked out on the ground as it were and actually i think leaders of small groups so so the model that we offer as leaders is very important of of disclosure you know as much as it is possible with you know with the people around us and obviously that will be less if we're in a big group and more if we're in a little group mm. and maybe there's something to be said about the size of groups as church leaders are thinking of course i think people find themselves that they're easier to be more accountable if it's a smaller group, maybe a triad or a group of four. Yeah. Uh, I think the bigger the group gets, then that becomes more, yeah. I think, more more difficult for people to be more vulnerable yeah. uh, and have that authenticity and relationship together. Yeah. So maybe church leaders can be thinking through that. How do we structure our groups? What do we do with them? How do we make them work? Because yeah. I think there's something in that. Um, just, just those two ideas of vulnerability and accountability, I think, are really important mm. um, for for people to have that, I guess, genuine relationship together. Yeah. There's a lot there, isn't it? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It, is, it is. Well, it's been great to have you, Wonderful. Lucy, with us, and it's been an amazing conversation. Yeah. And uh, big thanks to everyone who's listened. Please share, rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to this content. Send it over to a friend who you know this Absolutely. would bless as well. And uh, don't forget, also, you can check out icon.church forward slash open for loads of free resources. But it's been great to have Lucy with us on the Church Explained podcast. It's Thank been great you, to be together. And we look forward to next time on the Church Explained podcast. <laughs>